0: The following is a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNcast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Who Knew and Review, a podcast from the Galactic Network. BBC Books have revealed details of a new release of Doctor Who The Pirate Planet featuring Tom Baker's 4th Doctor. The new release, adapted by writer James Goss, is a novel based on a long forgotten draft of the script found in the Douglas Adams Archive in Cambridge. A work by the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy author that no one has ever read, unseen for 40 years, and vastly different from the TV show. The hugely powerful Key to Time has been split into six segments, all of which have been disguised and hidden throughout time and space. Now, the even more powerful White Guardian wants the Doctor to find the pieces. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Let's stick with alternative media for the moment in the Galactic Census. Idyllic Strelin is recorded as a Grade 3 planet, its inhabitants possessing neither advanced technology nor knowledge of other worlds. Accordingly, Strelin is protected. Landings by off-worlders are strictly forbidden, unless, of course, those off-worlders are officials of the Galactic Census itself, come to investigate the origin of a mysterious subspace signal, a signal no native of Strelin should be able to send, breaking all local bylaws. The time-travelling doctor and his companion, Mrs Constance Clark, have only just landed on Strelin too, but they, in the census officials, aren't the only off-worlders to come here. Inside a nearby mon- mon- monstrosity, <laughs> monastery, the monks of the reclusive Brotherhood of the Black Petal are guarding a strange and terrible secret something that might bring disaster not just to the strelin but to every civilized world in the galaxy oh yes you better believe this sixth doctor story by big finish has been released and it sounds absolutely fantastic if you're not into the audio adventures probably a good place to start i find them all fantastic but as you know I try and ape some of that in my other podcast, The Sci-Fi Survival Guide. I'm writing a new one at the moment. And weirdly, that's about time travel. And how frivolous it will be! Anyway, you didn't you didn't tune in to listen to me talk about my other show. Let's stick with books, shall we? Because if you're stuck for something to buy your hoovian better half, then there's been a release of a great selection of books all centred around Doctor Who and its timey-wimey world. Four new hardback books and one great audiobook collection, from fairy tales to history to revisiting some past favourites. The choice is yours. Hauntings, sky sounds, parallel universes, monster sightings, the New World Order... Ghost ships, urban legends, mysterious radio broadcasts, and secret government facilities are just a few things we've talked about on Weird World Weekly. Listen to find out what's next. Go to gncasts.com weird to listen, find out more, and subscribe to the podcast that discusses the paranormal, mythological, conspiratorial, unexplained, or anything else we think is a little strange and out of the ordinary. Also, Matt's continuing search for turkey recipes. It's all on Weird World Weekly, part of the Galactic Netcast Network of Shows. Also available wherever you listen to podcasts. The science of Dr. Who. Ah, the science behind Who. It's a little bit of a lengthy one this week, and I do apologise for the length, but there is a lot to get in. There's a lot for you to try and understand. As you know, I mix science fact and Doctor Who science fiction. So let's start with the latter. In Doctor Who, many black holes have been mentioned or observed. Black holes were regions in space created where the remains of a dense star of... Normal matter collapsed far enough to drill a hole through the fabric of space, creating a singularity. Their incredibly dense dense density resulted in a strong gravitational pull. The Tenth Doctor said to Rose Tyler that his people, the Time Lords, practically invented black holes. Well, in fact, they did, according uh, according to old Doctor Ten in the Satan Pit. Omega... And Rassilon destroyed the star in Kukeba to produce an energy source powerful enough to enable time travel. Omega, thought dead, survived his journey through the black hole, although he was trapped within it. He was able to shape matter within it at his will. Rassilon brought back either a black hole or its singularity to become... The eye of harmony. When two versions of the Doctor's TARDIS collided, the Tenth Doctor combined a black hole and a supernova to stop a black hole from being created, after witnessing it in his fifth incarnation. The Doctor's TARDIS has the power to both resist the pull of a black hole and to tug the Walker Expedition rocket out of a black hole's gravitational field. This is all well and good within Doctor Who. However, science has other ideas. A black hole is a region of space-time exhibiting such strong gravitational effects that nothing, not even particles and electromagnetic radiation such as light can escape from withinside inside it. The theory of general relativity predicts that a sufficiently compact mass can deform space-time to form a black hole. The boundary of the region from which no escape is possible is called the event horizon. Although the event horizon has an enormous effect on the fate and circumstances of an object crossing it, no locally detectable features appear to be observed. In many ways, a black hole acts like an ideal black body as it reflects no light. Moreover, quantum field theory in in curved spacetime predict that event horizons emit Hawking radiation, with the same spectrum as a black body of a temperature inversely proportionate to its mass. This temperature is on the order of billionths of a Kelvin for black holes of stellar mass, making it essentially impossible to observe. Objects whose gravitational fields are too strong for light to escape were first considered in the 18th century by John Mitchell and Pierre-Simon Laplace, the first modern solution of general relativity that would characterise a black hole was found by Karl Schwarzschild in 1916, although its interpretation as a region of space from which nothing can escape was first published by David Finkelstein in 1958. Black holes were long considered a mathematical curiosity. It was during the 1960s that theoretical work showed that there were a... Generic prediction of general relativity, Uh, the discovery of neutron stars sparked interest in gravitationally collapsed compact objects as a possible astrophysical reality. Black holes of stellar mass are expected to form when very massive stars collapse at the end of their life cycle. After a black hole has been formed it can continue to grow by absorbing mass from its surroundings. By absorbing other stars and merging with other black holes, supermassive black holes of millions of solar masses may form. There is a general consensus that supermassive black holes exist in the centre of most galaxies. Despite its invisible interior, the presence of a black hole can be inferred through its interaction with other matter and with electromagnetic radiation such as visible light. Matter that falls onto a black hole can form an external accretion disk heated by friction, forming some of the brightest objects in the universe. If there are other stars orbiting a black hole, their orbits can be used to determine the black hole's mass and location. Such observations can be used to exclude possible alternatives such as neutron stars. In this way, astronomers have identified numerous stellar black hole candidates in binary systems and established the radio source known as Sagittarius A at the core of our own Milky Way galaxy, which contains a supermassive black hole, about 4.3 million solar masses. Well, there we have it. The difference between a Doctor Who black hole and the actual Science black hole. Did you follow it? If you want to know any questions, please don't email me. I ain't got a clue. That's the sort of thing that you could email Anessa from the alien invasion. She would love it. How'd you do that? I believe their email address is alien at gncasts.com. But I didn't say that. Whew. Well I've calmed down now since I've taken off my science head. What a load of waffle, eh? Still, on with the news and we have got a uh, a couple of articles before we get to A to Z. According to the mirror.co.uk, BBC bosses want Doctor Who to feel like a brand new show under incoming boss Chris Chibnall. So we can expect a whole new lineup in 2018. Insiders say the Broadchurch writer will have a clean slate to start afresh for his new series. Rather bad news for actress Pearl Mackey, who plays new assistant Bill in Stephen Moffat's last run, currently filming for next year. Pearl, 29, who's yet to be seen by viewers, is said to have signed on a one-year contract and is expected to depart with Peter Capaldi, aged 58, and Moffat after 2017's Christmas special. The replacement, Time Lord, is apparently going to be a younger actor in a bit to help boost the flagging sales of dolls, books, DVDs, and toys. Okay, BBC, I understand that you need to fund this, and I understand that what you need to do is you need to do this through merchandising. I get that. Um, but I think your views on merchandising and what children's views are are completely poles apart. Whoever you're using is your sample size. Um, truthfully, yeah. You, you, you need to investigate this further um, you say are you, are you trying to say that, that, that children don't relate to Peter Capaldi's doctor and that's why you need someone younger because that is absolute hogwash uh, Peter embodies absolutely embodies what it means to be the doctor so you're not selling enough merch Well, maybe it's the merch which is the problem. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe it's the way you're presenting it. Have you ever thought about that? I'm sorry if I'm going on a little rant here, and I'm sure Corey from the Else Nerds would back me up here, but truthfully, your view on merch is absolutely wrong and incorrect. Part of the issue you have with your merchandise is you changed from one size of figures to a smaller size of figures so what you're trying to do is sell me something for the same price yet making it almost half the size that is your problem with merchandising it is not the show itself that said the show is all about change and bringing in changes no it's not a problem but please bbc grow up yeah if you want help merchandising why not ask The army of fans. And when I say the army of fans, truthfully, if every person who liked Doctor Who jumped up and down right now, we would crack the planet in two. Don't give us this BS. We know to expect change. Yeah, that is the nature of Doctor Who. Whew. Sorry to go off on a slightly unscripted rant there. Let's stick with Pearl Mackie, shall we, in the final story that we have this week. And then, after my little advert telling you how you can contact me, um, we will have the A to Z. And then, following on from that, there'll be my mini-spoilerific review of Class. Pearl Mackie 29 has been pictured filming scenes for the popular sci-fi drama in Woodland in Cardiff. That's right, actual filming news! She was illuminated by large lamps. Pearl's character appeared concerned as she gazed into the distance. The shoulder and collar of her red sweater was covered in mud, indicating she'd been in some sort of struggle. She was first seen filming the show in June and pictured on this set at a late night shoot at Cardiff University. Now, Not many outside shoots have been discovered this year. I'm personally putting that down to Trump and Brexit. And maybe even you, Barrowman! Shakes fist, Barrowman! Um, also seen filming is what one of the newspapers has claimed to be a Roman. Another one has claimed to be a knight. Um, it's likely to be some sort of medieval. They're wearing chainmail, and I believe chainmail came in around about that time. If I wanted to be a boring uh, history nerd, I would look that up, but I'm just putting it out there. I've included the links to all these stories in my show notes. If you click on the link, click on the link, click on the link, have a read. Bob is indeed your uncle. But now we have a little advert break and then we'll be back with A to Z. Many thanks for downloading this podcast from the Galactic Network. We have so much to offer. Maybe it's horror or adventure gaming. Perhaps you just like to listen to a couple of nerds geeking out. Well, if that's the case, then visit GNCasts.com. That's g-n-c-a-s-t-s.com, and have a good poke around. You'll be surprised what you find. Maybe you'd like to chat to the hosts. If so, then why not sign up to our Slack channel? Or simply you want to tell us what a great job we're doing, That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. You know what comes after this is my slightly spoilery review of class where um, I will be spoiling the show if you haven't listened to it not too much I'm mindful of these things that a huge swathe of people in a massive country who's just just elected an idiot hasn't uh, hasn't had a chance to watch it yet Anyway the monster this week is the Macra and uh, the first episode we saw them in was the Macra terror although they were in a slightly later episode. And the planet of origin, well, it's, it's never actually specified. It's only specified that it is indeed a colonized world, but they do go under the name of the Macra Empire. The uh, sapient species of Macra were larger than humanoids and able to hold a human in one claw. Oh yeah, did I mention they're massive crabs? They're stocky in build with large eye stalks, large claws with a smaller set beneath the mouth. They're dark, mucky brown in colour. They were also covered in hairs at one stage. Now the macra were a giant crustacean race that fed on unclean gases which were poisonous to humans. They sort of resembled crabs. They would consume humans where possible. Eventually, the macro fell into an even-illusionary decline, reverting to mindless creatures in the depths of New New York. So there we go. I don't know about you, you made me want lobster. Up next, a touch of class. Indeed, a touch of class. So here we go. The way the review works is as follows. I will begin with a synopsis. I will tell you the good bits, the bad bits and the most hoovian bit. And then any notable things in a way of a sort of rambling review. Followed by my ratings. The universal method of out of five TARDIS. The synopsis of this episode is as follows. April starts to feel greater effects of sharing her heart with Coran. Coracinus. His attempts to sever the attachment have only made it stronger. Manifesting traits of the Shadowkin leader, April confronts her estranged father with Shadowkin force when he makes a startling appearance. Frightened by this extraordinary newfound power, April seeks comfort in Ram and vows to reclaim her heart as her own. Meanwhile, something strange is happening to the others. London. Is slowly being infested with unusual, sinister flower petals. Sounds good. So the good bits. Um, the good bits. I think. Um, I think the uh, the Shadowkin get all the good bits, and it's mainly the um, the female Shadowkin who's talking to their their king, their leader. Um she has a she she has the excellent line of Majesty, you're showing the colours of the mate. Oh yeah. Well that's because there is it's a it's a sexy episode this one, so there is um there is a bit of uh, Hey oh. up <laughs> That's right. I've devolved into a seven year old. Following on the good bits, um the Shadowkin leader himself Car- has the excellent line of I don't suppose we could have a moment of a cuddling and this uh, this happens of course when April and Ram are cuddling but it's it's a really funny a really, really quite a, a funny thing for this um, fearsome beast the Hooniverse I've noticed in general does strong scary women well I think years of having... Um, having the uh, women being the weaker ones and running away all the time, I-, I think they've learned a thing, and they're now these quite, quite fearsome, strong, scary women type. The bad bits, however, and the bad bits is the, f- the feeling of angst from all of these young adults. Um. I understand you're trying to give that sort of angst cross, but it's it's comedic, and it's actually I don't think it's needed. I don't think you need to ham it up quite as much as you've done, and unfortunately, it it's very noticeable. And because it's so noticeable, it's um, it's comedy. So, what is the most universal bit? Well. the design and the uh, realm of the Shadowkin is done particularly well and as for their voice who doesn't who doesn't love a vocoder effect I want vocoder effects I want to be able to do this podcast with a vocoder effect why can't I do a podcast with a voc oh that's right I can you want to check out the size fi survival guide just to see how many vocal effects you can put in one podcast oh yes so the musings, as I was watching the show, these are the things that occurred to me. Some of them might be spoilerific, some of them might be silly, some of them might be sensible. Uh, truthfully, I just tap it into my uh, into my phone as I'm watching. I don't edit it, I just read it back for your pleasure. So it seems sharing a heart over a cracking space isn't all it's cracked up to be. That poor Shadowkin. Oh, that poor sofa! Oh yeah, I suppose poor, poor April as well, but... But I was more, more concerned that... She chopped the arm off a sofa, and then we get the innocuous flowers, and these are, these are present all through the episode, which is fair enough. They sort of reminded me a bit of the Isolus, and I think that's because of the way they were animated as they as they drifted through the air. Um, so I sort of hope we're not going to get a fear her moment, because let's be honest, that was the second worst Doctor Who episode of all time ever. The one thing that I liked, though, well, and it, we're literally just five minutes in, and that, and that is April playing violin. Ah, uh, look, it's just a weakness of mine. Okay, I don't mind admitting that. I mean, we're all adults here. Okay, there's just something I don't know, sort of sexy about female violinists. So there we go. Now you know what to buy me for Christmas. Then we get to the sort of introduction of the the new headmistress, and let's be honest, they appointed her first. But hey, it's an academy; I'm sure they can do that. What do you mean you don't know what an academy is? Google it. And they really hammer home this thing about the governors. Now we know the gov we well we know the governors were the, meant to be the Chestertons, but so, so I mean, is this is this a, a red herring? Are, are we? I mean, just what is going on? They really really shoehorning it in there the history class in the school was actually um well it actually reminded me a bit of some of some of the classes I went to and I sort of I sort of get the the familiarity that they're going for and I sort of like um although we certainly never had anyone like April I mean she she does have a fair few issues when it comes to organized wars and lockers but there was one thing that annoyed me, and I'm speaking as a nerd. It really annoyed me. It's quite clear that she's got an Android phone, which is fair enough. Yeah, I you can have whatever phone you like, but it was clearly playing an iPhone ringtone. Am I wrong in that? I don't think I am wrong in that. I I mean I think that that really did sound like an uh, an iPhone ringtone. And if that is the case, then that is unforgivable. Although, let's be honest, with regards to April, because this was all about April, sort of, um, and I, who wouldn't want to share a shadowkin heart if it meant you could manifest swords or katanas or scimitars or, you know, that'd be quite cool. then we focus more on this creepy ass new head teacher and and the flower petals that bite and it's a bit weird and then it gets gratuitous because we we have we have the, um, the sex scene between Ram and April now okay, they tried to inject some comedy into it it didn't seem to have much of a point there's still no backstory and it's sadly lacking and it's such a shame that there is no backstory I would like these characters to develop but truthfully they're you know (sighs) but out of the whole Hoobie gang and hey if Buffy had the Scooby gang and this is set in the Hooniverse then this can only be the Hoobie gang and that's what we're sticking with okay no one can have any problem with that we are sticking with the Hooby gang. Um, but the only the only redeeming ones, really, are April and Ram. So let's go on to the two strong women, the, uh, the headmistress and Quill. I mean, I, I like how the headmistress is all very matter-of-fact. It's almost like she is some high-ranking unit official. Now, that would be good if the school is a front for unit. Personally, if I was to run a school... Uh, on a crack in space-time. That's probably what I would do. But hey, what do I know? I don't run a school. I do other things. There, there's fundamental issues with the episodes, and truthfully, a lot of the characters I couldn't I couldn't give twopence for. Prince, Uzi your trousers? And his uh, and his boyfriend couldn't care less. Um... Uh, swatty 14 year old couldn't care less really April Ram and Quill are the only three ones that saved this show and for for that reason after I've cast a little bit of Shadowkin magic and got a disabled person walking again um, I can only give this three TARDISes out of five so there we go anyway we shall be back next week we'll have another touch of class I will see if I can find some more science of doctor who and we will definitely have more a to z until then have a jolly good time toodle pips this has been a galactic network podcast for more go to gncast.com that's gncast